Welcome back to Tundra Talk, everybody. I'm Tyler Friel, and uh, been wanting to do this this for a while. Got got Uncle Tracy in <laughs> here with me today, and uh, AKA Uncle Cy. Uncle Cy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He's kind of the, the. I don't know how you we'd describe you as the the unique the unique unique member. there's quite a few unique members of our family oh, love them to death but <laughs> <laughs> oh man but uh yep tracy Friel is my my dad's younger brother and one of these days need to get you dad and jerry on talk about some of the some of the old days some of the stuff we used to do our brilliant stupid ideas <laughs> so you uh <laughs> You were all of you guys were born up here, and then after Grandpa passed away, you you kind of grew up in Colorado too, right? Yeah, me and your dad, and uh, and then moved back up. You moved back up here pretty much right yeah. out of high school, wasn't it? Yeah, the first summer out of high school, I came back July. Been here since. Yep, causing trouble wherever you go, right? Well, yeah, not so much anymore, <laughs> you know. Get a little old bones, get a little creaky, you gotta slow down. Yeah. <laughs> That's the truth. But no, you uh I just I'm trying I'm thinking back through all the stories I've heard, thinking about which ones we can talk about and which ones we can't. <laughs> but you uh you pretty much were doing all of it. You you were guided for a lot of years, didn't you? Yeah, I guided for several years and and uh I've always been hunting and trapping and and what have you since i can remember yeah i remember my one story my dad always always would tell about you is he when he had saved up and bought that 20 that ruger 22 250 or something and had loaded up a couple hundred rounds of ammo how'd that go he went he went to college for a semester came back and you had shot all his ammo and reloaded it and shot it all again oh yeah that was a good shooting gun <laughs> I still remember that rifle from when I was a kid. I remember when he sold it. Yeah, he kicks himself in the butt. We were talking about that the other day. <laughs> you just don't shoot a rifle that's that accurate. <clears throat> was you that know? the one that, that was the, the legendary sprinkler quarter and a half coyote shot? <laughs> that's it. And I mean, I don't tell very many people because people just don't believe the shots I made with that rifle. But <clears throat> I had a witness. Boone was a witness. It was three quarters of a mile away, two shots, inch and a half group, right in the center of his body. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty pretty remarkable. That was a good shooting rifle. Yeah, man. Well, you could shoot 10 rounds at 100 yards, cover them with dime. Or he could. I couldn't. Yeah, I, I, I never uh, was good at shooting targets. Yeah, I just vaguely remember him having that rifle when I was a kid, and I remember just one of those. I couldn't have been four years old, but I remember when he was selling it. I think he sold it to Bill Wagner. Yeah, or, yeah, I can't remember. Someone Wayne, Wayne Hensley. Oh, yeah, Wayne but, uh, Hensley. Yeah. Anyway, all that because you you were kind of terror on the coyotes. Was it oh, was man. it him or someone? You know the the word was that you guys were responsible for there being no more black-tailed jackrabbits in that area (laughs) oh we shot a lot of them they uh well don alloy this whole timer used to own the bar across the street in a little town of hooper 
he used to buy jackrabbits from us for 25 cents. Yeah. And he sold bullets and, and everything right there at the, at the little bar. And heck, we'd go out and we'd shoot, fill the whole pickup load full of jackrabbits. You know, go chasing them around in the sprinkler quarters, alfalfa fields yeah. in the winter, you know. <laughs> it was a little dangerous, but I mean, we'd get in the back <laughs> of the pickup with a 12 gauge and 22, we'd chase them around the fields and shoot them. I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds of them. Yeah. And we'd take them to his place and sell them for 25 cents a piece and get some more bullets and go do it again. Yeah. <laughs> and every once in a while, we wouldn't get a, as many as we wanted, so we'd sneak around the backside of his building and we'd steal them back <laughs> and sell them to him again. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, that's bad to say, but, you know, if a person knew who Don Alloy was... He was a snake in the grass himself. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he was beyond stealing from you. Oh, man. So it was no big deal. <clears throat> yeah. We had a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I remember, I remember, because, you know, you were living up here for the most part when I was a kid, but I remember you'd come down there and go lion hunting. Cause you, you ran hound dogs for quite a while. and Yeah, that's uh, something you never do get out of your blood. Yeah. I mean, I'd still love to go out there and chase those hound dogs. Alaska's just not a good place for it. No, and, I, you know, I've seen people ask that, you know, ask why. Because it's legal to run black bears. Oh, yeah. It's I, just, I, from what I understand, just you don't have the infrastructure, roads. Like, I mean, right your dogs get on a bear them. track. They may never hit another road again. <laughs> right. I mean, like even down in Colorado, I lost dog for 30 days bear hunting. Wow. And finally, she found her way home. Huh. And we looked for her and looked for her and looked for her. But uh, up here, you know, I lost both my, two of my best dogs up here, and they just vanished. I don't know what happened to them. Well. But nowadays, I got the radio tracking callers and stuff, so it would be a little easier if you had a helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of the problem is, you know, what if you, you know, I don't know what the average run on even a close bear would be or to get them up a up a tree but you're talking just it's just not practical i don't think right for one thing the trees around here there's only certain places where there's trees really big enough to be, you know for to tree a bear and hold yeah. him because he's got to have big enough limbs where he can sit up there comfortably mm -hmm. or he ain't gonna stay up there very long and it's just so vast yeah you know, i mean a good hound dog, you know, they're not going to get off of a track. They'll stay on it for a couple of days sometimes. I mean, they can travel a lot of miles in a couple of days. Yeah. <laughs> and you get a big old boar or something that just wants to run until he gets tired and turn around and fight till he rests up and run till he gets tired, turn around and fight till he rests up. You know, it could be a little miserable on you. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely on the dogs. So I just... I gave it up up here for dogs. I just, it's not, you've spent so much time, years and years into training a dog and then it's all gone in one evening, you know? Yep. So, but boy, down home, it was fun. Yeah. So, what other, it seemed like you had a few other good stories of oh yeah, like, dogs down there. Oh, there was this old timer that got me into it. Don Chambers. Neatest old fart you ever seen. <laughs> but, uh. He got cancer when he was like 65 and survived it. And anyway, it was shortly after that, when I met him, I think I was 13. And I'd caught a fox 
down this ditch by town there and I traded it for two hound dogs, two puppies. Anyway, I got with him and started running around with him. He helped me train them. And anyway, it was the next year. We were running bears in the springtime. And he treed this little bear up in the tree. And he told me to climb up and kick the bear out so he could chase it again. I looked at him <laughs> like, well, are you nuts? He goes, ah, oh, you dumb kids. I have to show you guys how to do everything. Anyway, he climbed up there in that Ponderosa pie. I mean, we're talking, this guy's 70 years old. Yeah. Or had defeated cancer. He climbs up in there in that Ponderosa pie, you know, 15 feet off the ground, and smacks that bear with a stick. Well, the bear ended up kicking him out of the tree. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we hobbled down. We let the bear go. We hobbled down the hill, but yeah, he, uh, He'd have me climb up in the trees and kick the mountain lions out so the dogs could chase them again. I mean, a lot of these stories, people think I'm nuts and I'm lying, so I don't tell a whole lot yeah. of people. But, <laughs> but yeah, we'd climb up there in the tree with the mountain lion and poke it with sticks and what have you, and they'd, they'd jump out of the tree. And Back on the track. Yeah, and they'd take off down the hill and wait. Five ten minutes and turn the dogs loose again and let them, yeah. Let them. I think a lot. I think a lot of people, uh, including myself, if you haven't if you haven't done it, I don't think you have any concept of how much work and time goes into oh, training those dogs. Oh man, that's not for the faint at heart, man. I mean, you snap a leash on a pack of hound dogs, you best be in shape and ready to cover some country because yeah. they're gonna, mm. <laughs> you know. But her, we were hunting one time. Uh, a friend of mine, Sean Homer, I went to high school with. What an animal! Yeah, I mean the guy's Jeremiah Johnson times ten. Uh, you know who I'm talking yeah. about, Sean. But anyway, we got him into running hounds. We were running hounds one winter. We had looked all the canyons over, and all we found was this female uh, that had a, uh, a kitten with her. Uh, so we thought, well, we'll just take the pups out, and you know, we'll run her with the pups and give the pups some practice and treat her. You know, yeah. She won't go very far. So anyway, we go up over we go up over the first hill there out of Really Alto Creek, and we top the ridge, and you can hear the dogs barking tree down in this rock pile kind of a muffled sound mm -hmm. and sean's like oh no they got the kitten down there so he goes running down there and he jumps down that rock pile and dogs got their heads stuffed in this hole yeah and he grabs two dogs and pulls their heads out of the hole and there was about a two and a half inch wide black nose poking out of the hole oh it's a big old black bear oh geez yeah, there was a den in <laughs> they there got on a den yeah, the cat had ran over the top of the den, and oh, the, man. when the dogs went across <laughs> it, they just thought, oh, hey, here's something easier. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> that was oh, right. Man. You could hear that bear in there after we got the dogs pulled off, and <clears throat> you could hear his teeth in there chattering and <clears throat> shaking. It was like middle of January. Man. <laughs> All it was was an overhanging rock. Wow. He just crawled up underneath it and pushed a little dirt out to the side. And, yeah, I think the, you know... Everyone thinks some black bears, you know, bears den in caves, and you know, and brown bears and grizzly bears. I think do tend to get way up in the high country and dig, right. you know, a legitimate den. But I think a lot of times those black bears will 
It's kind of like that. Dig out a little bit underneath a root ball of a or a down tree, something yeah. a brush pile they can get under and. Yeah, especially those big old boars, you know, that aren't expecting cubs in the middle of the winter. You yeah. Know? Uh, but yeah, he just, that's all it was, just an overhanging rock. He just crawled underneath it and pushed a little dirt out to the side and went to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you guys had run bobcats for practice too, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, we did that. That's a little tough there. <laughs> I mean, getting mountain lion up a tree is way easier than getting a bobcat up a tree. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Bob, more endurance. Or? Yeah, more endurance. They'll run more. Uh, they tend to head for rock piles and crawl up inside the rock piles, and you know they're small enough they can get away in a hole. Yeah, yeah it's. Uh, I mean, we treat a few, but not very many. Yeah, but lions are pretty easy to treat, especially if they have a full belly. Yeah, if they have but a full. They belly. say they you know, they they just don't have much <clears throat> endurance or. No, once a dog gets on them, they, they go up a tree pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah, I remember several, several lions you guys brought back when I was a little kid. Remember you fleshing that one in Grandma's bathtub? <laughs> yeah. Bless her heart. <laughs> that bathtub seen a lot of nasty things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, and then, let's see. I guess on Colorado. I, was I born when you shot that great big black bear down there? Yeah, yeah, you were just a little kid. That was in uh, '89, I think. Yeah, is that wasn't that wasn't too long before they banned baiting them. Yeah, it wasn't a couple of years. But I remember what didn't that thing have like a, a musket ball in him and yeah, or, you know, a muzzleloader bullet in him and yeah, it had a uh, a boat tail uh, jacketed boat tail. Looked like twenty five out six, maybe twenty five caliber or two seventy caliber, and lodged in his shoulder, right up against his shoulder blade. Mm-hmm. And then he had a round uh, lead ball in his ass. Yeah, all healed up. Yeah, those things are <clears throat> tough. I think I don't know if I told you that the big grizzly bear I killed with my bow. He uh, when he came in, he was he was coming on three legs. You know, holding one of them up wasn't seeming to affect him other than that, but came in, shot him, he ran off and get over there and, you know, that leg is busted. And I'm like, and I'm like, man, well, would the moose kick him or, and his claws were, you know, about half an inch or a little bit longer on that paw. So he hadn't been using it. Um, and he was in great shape, ton of fat and whatnot, but I'm like, would he get kicked? I figured he got kicked by a moose and broke his leg. And then got in the den or something, but he had like a three seventy five bullet in his brisket, you know, oh. all starting to starting to gristle over, and the wound was all healed up. So, I mean, the only thing yeah. I could figure was after he had gotten fattened up in the fall, someone someone shot him through the right. through the leg, and it all healed up except his the bone couldn't reset because huh. it had to be it was from the previous fall because those claws were longer on that. Right, couldn't dig. Yeah. Huh, yeah, they're tough animals, man. All wild animals are tough. I think a lot tougher than people give them credit oh, yeah. for. I mean, moose are kind of sissies. But even a moose, if you pressure them right after you shoot them, you know, they'll run for a long ways. Yeah. But if you just give them some time, they, they're pretty much sissy. Like, remember that one that that you and your dad came out and helped me get? Oh, yeah. Out there. I shot, that's back when my back was still screwed up, mm-hmm. but I shot it, 
<clears throat> and it was a long ways off, but I had that 300 Ultra Mag. And <clears throat> I only got one shot out of it before it went into the timber. Yeah. I was pretty sure I hit it. So I just got you guys, we went back out. It was like two hours later. And we remember we went walking in the trees there and we yep. walked, what, 50 yards. And he was then, right there. And he stood up, what, 20 yards from us? Yeah. We basically <laughs> walked right up to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, remember, the only thing that was wrong with him was right in the middle of his back. Looked like you had scalped about a six-inch piece of skin. Just off. clipped the very, very yep. above his spine. Even. Yeah, it didn't didn't break the, the meat. No yeah. blood, no nothing. It was just like he skinned six-inch or so chunk yeah. of skin right off the top of his back. Yeah. Well, I didn't pressure him, and he just walked right in the timber. I mean. Down. 50 yards after I shot him, laid down, and we walked right up to him. He stood up. We killed him. Yeah, those things. And, you know, I've seen people just plug them and plug them because a lot of times you shoot them, they don't, it, it, you're not going to just have this dramatic effect like you're no, shooting a deer. No, they're. They just kind of soak it up. But it, or even with a bow, you know, the last one I killed with a bow shot right through him you know both lungs he ran 20 yards and stand they, it takes them a while to bleed out oh, yeah they're a big animal yeah. man they got a lot of blood in their system <laughs> yeah um i mean there's been a few that like that one you you kind of double crossed me on it was in the same spot it was in the moose hole years ago where we went out that last morning of the season and there was a little you know two-year-old bull out there and Someone told me that you told him that you you also saw the biggest bull you'd ever seen out there, but you didn't tell me because I had already seen that little one and shot him, <laughs> and then so I shot him. <laughs> uh, it's a possibility, but yeah. I don't I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I guess when you're doing that stuff as frequently as we we do to each other, then. But I did tell you <laughs> last year. You did tell me last year. I, I told you last year. I, I went out there, and there was four bulls there. I shot one of the littler ones. I told you there was a 50-incher out there. And, you, what, two days later, you went out there and killed him? Yep. <laughs> yep. To my defense. You did. You did tell me. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't. That was, yeah, that was the last day of the last day of the season. It was that same bull, I think, oh, that you had it, seen. It was kind of a spindly horn he didn't have real wide thick yeah battles. i mean he was he was 50 but he kind of was like a 45 that stretched to yeah he might even have been cycling down a little bit because he was, he, he was big bodied. bodied yeah i mean when him and those two other bulls were walking across that finger open finger following that cow after i shot mine he was noticeably bigger than the other two bulls were 36 inches yeah and he was noticeably body size huger. Yeah. He was big. Yeah, it's possible. You know, I was wondering that myself because he's the biggest bodied bull I'd killed in a while. Right. You know, I mean. Yeah, I figured he was probably cycling down. He was probably 11 years old or so, maybe 12 years old. Yeah, who knows? He was, you know, was I mean, pretty spindly like that. They but he was healthy. Get, I mean, he was oh, still yeah. healthy, but he yeah. was, I think his horns were cycling down. Yep, I mean, yeah. in my experience, that's what they do when they start cycling down. They get spindlier, and, you know, sometimes when they get really old, they look like elk horns. Huh. Yeah, I haven't seen any like that. You know. 
I mean, but, it's uh, not real common, but I mean, not necessarily like elkhorns, but I mean, they just. I know what you mean. They're they not just don't near have, palmated. They just don't have hardly any palmation, you know. Yeah. But. Yeah, and then, uh, shoot, what was I? We're kind of talking back up here now. Brown bear hunting. Brown bear hunting. There you go. Done a lot of. That was one of your. Was it, what do you think? Was sheep hunting or brown bear hunting? more of a your favorite i don't know they both had their aspects and downs sheep hunting you know you just you you walk your ass off basically uh brown bear hunting you sit your ass off yeah (laughs) so i mean yeah but i mean brown bear hunting can be kind of boring i mean depending on who you're with you know that makes a big difference oh yeah with you know you can joke at each other during the day or whichever you might see that day but boy when the action happens yeah as there was a it's it's a couple you've chased your fair share of 10 foot bears in the brush huh yeah uh the one that keeps striking my mind the most is uh this doctor named david peterson heck of a good guy uh I've guided him several times for different animals. He's the one that fixed my neck when I broke, busted up my neck, operated on me. But he went in and <clears throat> it was on the third day down at Ugashik, off the beach of Ugashik Lake. We'd, I'd seen where this big bear, I mean, like a 10 and a half, 11 inch wide track, it mm-hmm. came down off the hill there and walk down the beach for miles yeah so he was coming into camp so i figured i was going to take him over there and we were just going to set up on where that bear came down because there was a couple beaver ponds and a little creek and there were some little greens popping out you know yeah and so you're kind of instead of you know like i think i've talked about with other buddies and before you that brown bear hunting you want you know find good spots to observe you don't want to necessarily move around everywhere because right. they'll cut your tracks and and they can smell where you walked two or three days before oh, yeah. yeah big brown bear i mean he gets a whiff of you you ain't gonna see him no more you ain't gonna see him anymore yeah. he gets a smell of you so you're better off not to make tracks all over so what i tried to do is just find a good vantage point overlooking some you know, terrain that I believe is good crossings areas, you know, where one yeah. will come through <clears throat> and just plant my butt there and keep, and my, keep, keep my eyes up on the Savorskis and keep on staring through them. Yep. But uh, that one big one we got on Ugashik, he was, oh man, he had to be 1,500 pounds. I mean, he was huge. Couldn't roll him over. Skinning both of us, we had to skin half of him out and cut meat off to get him to roll over. And that, you know, and that sounds extreme, but the bear, there are bears that big down there. Oh, I mean, yeah. I you know buddies at the on a fognac weighed one a few years ago was fourteen. It's oh. a huge bear, and it was fourteen something. So that's that's not an exaggeration. I mean, uh, I, I'm a big guy. Especially back then, strong, and I got big thighs. I mean, most pants don't even fit my thighs. And that bear's forearms are bigger around than my thighs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but anyway, yeah, we, uh, it was on the third day we're sitting there, and I 
figured he might come back by because it's <clears throat> springtime. You know, a lot of times they'll circle back and backtrack themselves looking for sows. Mm-hmm. And it was on the third day. We're sitting there. It's about 9 o'clock in the morning, and I'm just glassing back and forth. Got this hill, open hillside. Not open, but this hillside and a couple little canyons coming down, and we're just watching. And there's a couple beaver houses, beaver ponds and beaver houses out there, and I drag the binoculars across there, and I'm like, yeah, beaver house, and the other beaver house, two beaver houses. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I jerk my head back, and... He was standing on the beaver dam behind the the beaver house, and he was bigger than the beaver house. Jeez. I mean, it's funny, you know, especially when you're not, if you're not seeing them all the time or just how it takes a second for you to register what some is. I remember one time on a Fognac, we were going deer hunting, I think, and we were just, you know, we were throttled up on step running run, rolling through this little straight and we came around a corner now the corner of my eye i just i was like oh there's a moose i'm like wait a second there's no moose here <laughs> that was a you know a big brown bear but man the, the big ones are huge oh yeah they're uh like they say yep. if you can see legs it's probably not a real big one because they're <laughs> just blobs Especially fall bears, you know? yeah. I mean, they're just big blobs. But yeah, that one he uh, started going down this brushy drainage, and we—I uh, was afraid he was going to wind us because we'd came across that drainage down mm-hmm. there. So I had Dave get down by the edge of the drainage, and I got on the predator call and started <laughs> squawking, and it wasn't thirty seconds. That bear comes trotting up out of the, well, not trotting, waddling up out of the brush. And he's kind of standing there looking, trying to figure out what's going on. He kind of steps broadside, and oh, Dave's probably 70 yards away, and he hammers him right in the shoulder with that 475 Jeffrey. Yeah. The bear went down. I mean, I could see the water fly off the bear. It had been raining that morning. He goes down and just that quick, he was back up again and Dave hammered him again in the shoulder and the bear turns and took off back into the brush. I dumped three out of my 4570 in his butt there as he was going back in the brush. Mm -hmm. And, uh, anyway, we sat and talked a little bit. Let's go have some breakfast. You'll give him time to die. Yeah. So we, I mean, tent was a quarter mile away or so. So we walked back and had some breakfast. And it was probably a couple hours. We went back and started into the brush. We got about 30 yards in there. I mean, there's blood everywhere. And all of a sudden you hear. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, great. (laughs) 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 So, I mean, I mean, Dave's such a good hunter and level-headed person, and he's he's just like us. He grew up on the farm, and he's a neurosurgeon now, yeah. but he's just a good old boy, and, and he won't clutch on you. Yeah. But anyway, he gets up beside me, and and we just start one step, stop looking, listen, working our way in that brush, and we finally could see the bear in there. And, I don't know, the brush was tight. He was probably... Alders. Yeah, yeah, he couldn't have been 
10, 12 yards away when we finally spotted him. But I think the time had been but long enough that he'd kind of forgot about us because he had his back to us and we could see him in there laying there. You know, we both opened up on him and he come alive. <laughs> I mean, jumped up, started spinning around in a circle, screaming, biting himself and we just kept shooting. And when him. you're something that big, that close. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, and the, the sound is just blood curling. I mean, yeah. And it's just boom, you know, David had a double rifle. So, I mean, he was boom, boom. It take him a while to, to reload. And I had my 4570, you know, that Marlin. And I was just boom, boom. Yeah. I mean, the bear had hit the ground. He'd get back up. He'd hit the ground. He'd get back up. And I think it was 11 more shots we put in him before he finally stayed down. Jeez. But, uh, yeah, it's just amazing how hard they are to kill. And those first two shots that Dave hit him with was square in the shoulder. Huh. You know, which is not a, a really a great killing shot, but they uh, well, some there's a train of thought that it's that you know, break them down. Break them down, you know, if you can break both their shoulders, they're right. going to But in my, I mean, me, I'm I'm a double lung man myself. Yeah, I have to say I'm kind of the same and of course it met you know that bear you know i didn't have any idea you guys were there especially at first you know obviously didn't didn't get both lungs initially but uh once they get their adrenaline up they even a little black bear can be really tough to kill i uh but you know the grizzly bears i've shot with my bow through either the heart or both lungs dead within 50 yards right you know, in like in seconds, but they're uh, nice and calm. They don't yeah. know you're there. Yeah, and and I mean, I think with a bow, it's just one less thing to not alert them. They know something happened and something's wrong, but they it, they don't get the yeah, the gunshot the gunshot yeah. reaction. But uh, yeah, I mean, even this one little black bear I was trailing, it wasn't little. It was a six foot bear. Um. My wife had hit him. It was he was standing at a funny angle when she shot, and and you know, in her defense, she thought she was making, you know, she shot him right where she normally should, but it ended up being too far forward just because of the way that bear was standing, standing, and you know, I thought I just saw him run off, and I I didn't get a good look at where she hit him, but she, you know, I'm like, all right, well, he's gonna be dead. We walk back there and jump him, up, run him up a tree. And it was getting dark. It was, I don't know, midnight or so, getting kind of dark. And so, all right, well, you know, I just shot him out of the tree with my three seventy five. you know, figured as square in the chest as I could. The thing fell down. All right, let's go back to the boat, get the sled. We'll come back and, and get him. And by when we got back there, I had had my rifle, my three seventy five slung and was just carrying my three fifty seven and get about five ten feet from that bear and he stands up again uh, and you know so i shot him you know punched through just the first shot i could get punched through his ribs of the three 357 knocked him down got back up shot him again that was finally it felt terrible for the that poor bear but man he, he just it got a chance to get his adrenaline up and you know there's i just oh, yeah. couldn't even fathom it yeah that's like that big black bear you shot when you were a kid up here yeah 
had that snare on its neck for who knows how long. Remember that? That was, I don't think I, none of mine had any snares. Didn't on it have a, that big bear callus around its neck? I don't think, I think so. Tell, I thought it did. Yeah, yeah, that's what happens when you get old. Start <laughs> start forgetting. Get the, the but old. I know uh, Vince Osborne. Uh, he shot one down at Tolavana with me one time that uh, that it had a snare on its neck and the. You could tell the snare, I mean, it was just a like a two-inch wide callus all the way around its neck. And the snare cut into its neck and evidently rusted away and broke free eventually. Wow. But, uh, yeah, when we skinned it out, there was still remnants of that snare embedded in his neck. Jeez. You know, little chunks of wire and rust and... Yeah. But completely healed up. Yeah. And fat and fat. I mean, he wasn't hurting at all. Boy, yeah, it's tough for, you know, I've shot a couple three-legged coyotes in my day, too. You know, just critter, critters are tough. Yeah. Remember when Uncle Eddie caught that four-pegged coyote? Oh, with all his feet were gone? Yeah. He's been, he, all of his feet had been caught in traps, and he got away every time. And <laughs> he caught him again on a stub. Jeez. <laughs> and the coyote was fat. Yeah. He was not, doing not good. Not hurting, yeah. yeah. He was doing good. It's amazing. In fact, I uh, <clears throat> there's two coyotes that I shot twice in my life. One was when I was a kid. I'd hit him in the hind leg running before, I was like 16, it was before school one morning, and he got in the brush and I could never find him, had to go to school. Well, about a month later, I called him in and shot him a couple miles from there. Um, and then uh, there was one up here that had my 17 Hornet and same thing, you know, I took off running, I hit him, but I, I could see him, he got way out there too far, and I'm like, well, he... he He's not dying. And so I left him alone about a month and a half later, same spot, shot him, shot shot a coyote, go over there and had a little, you know, start spot that was starting to calcify an old wound on his leg right there. Kind of, kind of blows your mind how tough those critters are. But Eddie, yeah, Eddie was kind of the one that got our, wasn't he the one that kind of got trapping into our family? Well, no, actually Jerry... Was the first one that started trapping up here when he was a kid. And then uh, your dad started doing it down in Colorado when I was just, when he, we were young, I was young, he was in high school. And I used to go out with him and he kind of got me into it. But then Eddie was in, got into it and got to be a master at it. Yeah. I mean, he was a good driver. Didn't he buy a, a brand new pickup one year off Coyotes? Oh, yeah. Snow, machine, snow machine and pickup. Yeah. Off all the Coyotes he caught and killed. Of course, you know, they were running them with snow machines that year, too. Yeah. You know, out there on the, the ranch. Yep. But, I mean, hell, Coyotes were bringing $70, $80, sometimes over 100 bucks that year. Yeah, that's crazy. It's back in the 70s. And there was lots of Coyotes because nobody had been killing them before that. And yeah. nobody knew how to trap. Yeah. You know? 
But boy, when they went up to seventy, eighty dollars a piece, everybody and their brother became a trapper. Yeah, everybody was hanging snares <clears throat> on fences. And <laughs> yeah, it kind of sounds like you know down there where a few years back when bobcats when they were going for fifteen, them nice Rocky Mountain mm. bobcats were going for fifteen hundred bucks or two thousand bucks or whatever. Everyone, you know, you can't really aside from live trapping, you can't trap down there anymore. Right. So. Everyone and their brother became predator bobcat hunters. Right. But, uh, yeah, and you did quite a bit of wolf trapping. You was telling me it was always your favorite. Yeah, it was, it was just, uh, I don't know, some satisfaction. Yeah, well, you get the, and I understand, I've t- talked about it before, you get the wolf bug. You, you're never going to make much money, if any money, wolf trapping. No, no. But it's... It's self-satisfaction. Yeah, because it's an exercise in frustration. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. But it's so satisfying when you uh, come around the corner and see a wolf jumping around in a trap or hung up in snares. I like them jumping around the traps better, but... <laughs> But I'll take them hung up in the snare, too. No, it's fun. You know. Oh, yeah. It's just such a, when you really start thinking about trying, you know, what it takes to get one, a critter that smart to step in on one little three-inch, three-inch pan, pan, you know. In a a big wilderness. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's really, compared to all the country that they run, it's, it's definitely an accomplishment. And you know if you you if you have any every wolf you can get will help the help the critters we like to eat too. Oh yeah, well you figure a pack of five wolves will kill a moose every week or more. Yeah, you know, ten days at the least, and that's not counting the calves that only last a day. Yeah, you know. Yeah, a big I mean, pack of wolves to clean up a calf in you get, no get, time. You catch four or five wolves out of an area, you saved a bunch of moose. Yeah. And, uh, and even if you can get, you know, like that one, you caught those two last year, even though one, I'm pretty sure that one had to be the alpha male of that pack is big, huge right. wolf. And normally there's only one big male, right? mature male in a pack like that, at least as far as I'm aware of. But, uh, you know, you're all that, even just doing that, the rest of the wolves, they're going to be all right, but you're going to save some moose because it makes them less yeah. effective. Yeah, I'm not so sure somebody else didn't catch some more of those because they never did come back through. Yeah. I, I figured, you know, I thought maybe I had the alpha female and alpha male. I wasn't too positive about the female, but I thought, man, those well, those pups are going to be back soon. Yeah, they, they never, never did. Never did come back. Yeah, that, where that, that pack was moving, where they're going into, I think I know who traps that country and I wouldn't want to be a wolf going through his stuff. <laughs> you get, you get three pups out there that are that mom and dad's gone and time's been a little hard for him for a month or so. They're going to be a lot easier to catch than, than they don't. Well, yeah, I mean, then they were when they were running around with mama telling them, no, no, don't go there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yep. But yeah, so that's, I only caught one last year. I need to need to get my gear together here. Cats, the the links are going to start turning white here pretty soon. So priming right. up. It's not looking like they're going to be worth a lot, but man, they're so it's such a high year. 
kind of guy even if you'd catch a bunch and put them up and throw them in the freezer you know wait till prices come back up to sell them it just seems like a waste to when they're high like this to just because they're all going to night you know 90 percent of the population or what i'm just making up that number but a huge percentage of the population is going to starve to death in the next you know when that cycle starts going back down well i noticed uh where i was trapping last year that was out there here yesterday with timmy and a couple days before that we were moose hunting but um there ain't as many rabbits as there was last year I think they must have had a die off or something in some areas. They may may have. I know I was, you know, where we were moose hunting this fall, there was a ton, you know, along the rivers, there was a ton of rabbits, but there's also a ton of cats too. I mean, I right. actually was, saw a couple kittens right in front of the cabin. Right. Um, I know we seen a, t- a track coming out of the last night while I was walking down the middle of the road and about an inch of snow. It looked like a lion track. Huh. Big Tama. Oh yeah, it looked like a looked like a mountain lion track. I'm like, man, because you know, I see. You know, I told Timmy, I said, man, that's a, that's a, that's a cat track. I said, that's a big cat track. We got to stop and look yeah. at this. So we got out of the truck, already looked, and I mean, it was as big as a lion track. Yeah, it's amazing those big toms, how gigantic oh, their feet are. You know, for such a dainty animal, it's it's no wonder they can walk on top of the snow really right yeah we were looking we seen a set of tracks before that that were about half that size probably this year's kitten or something or a young female and just the the size of track and the the span of the steps and then that big one i mean twice the step you know the span of the steps tracks were twice as big i mean it was cool man i like seeing those big tracks oh yeah yep so we're just kind of kind of getting right into that into trapping season i mean guys that are martin trapping have already been out but i don't know we're both kind of recreational trappers at this point yeah i did a lot of trapping in my day but i just the older you get the less it's important to you well that i got busted up you know that didn't help matters yeah yeah you still because you were after you know one of those surgeries you were having trouble with the cold wasn't it like oh yeah i still do is it that piece of metal that when you inhale it, it's close enough to your soft or your yeah. windpipe that it. Yeah, it's, it's it's a titanium plate right behind my esophagus, my windpipe or whatever you want to call it. Anyway, it gets really cold after about a half hour out in, and I can start to feel the. I, I'm I'm assuming it's the screws getting cold. Yeah. You know, eight neck starts hurting and yeah, boy, it sucks. Yeah, but I don't know. At least. <laughs> I'm glad to see you getting around a lot better these days. That was, you know, the injury, it was really yeah, pretty, t- kind of put the kibosh on stuff for quite a while. Yeah, lost 10 years of my best part of my life probably right there. Yeah. You know, when you really want to go out and do stuff. Yeah. In your 30s and, you know, early 40s. Mm-hmm. I was injured in most, you know, I was hurting in most of that. Yeah, but... uh I was going to say. Anyway. I keep losing my train of thought. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah, I get two freels <laughs> on the same podcast. That's that's going to happen. Oh, um, sheep hunting. What was, uh, yeah, and I remember you saying that 4570 was pretty much your, your favorite 
brown bear hunting that was my rifle. back that was my backup yeah. rifle i mean if i got a 375 that if i go brown bear hunting that's what i take yeah but just for you know backing people close up range and, stuff i mean you got five rounds i mean it's a short barrel you can swing it it's fast know, it's, it's fast recovery it doesn't wallop the snot out of you it's throwing a 400 grain bullet yeah you know and you just soup them up a little bit. I mean, it'll rip a brown bear right off its feet if you hit them in the bone good and solid. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that. And then you were uh, a lot of other stuff, because you, you were saying earlier you were shooting a 300 Ultramag for a while for moose. You're kind of the 30-06 guy nowadays. Yeah, right? I hated that Ultramag. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what a rifle. I mean, it's a 220 Swift, you yeah. know, times 10. You know, chucking that 180 grain bullet out there at almost 4,000 feet a second. I mean, it's it was a it was a tack driver, but I mean, at 300 yards, you shoot a moose and hit him in the shoulder, you lost that whole shoulder and half or three quarters of the one on the other side too. Yeah. I mean, it just jellyfies everything. Yeah. Whereas that a lot six, I got you know, I can shoot thing three times. That's a heck of a shooting rifle too. Oh yeah, it's a tack driver. I mean, I think I because you had me wanted me to load some ammo for you. Like you gave me one box of those hundred fifty grain Siracos, little Swifts, and mm-hmm. uh, I think I try initially, you know, load development, and I do it kind of the poor man's way. I just try to bra- do a certain bracketing of loads and then zero in from there first load i tried shot like a little over half an inch group at 100 yards so i'm like well no no need to try anymore for you know just a hunting rifle right well i know when that thing was just federal classics yeah 150 it likes 150 green bullets yeah my it don't like 165s likes it don't like 180s it hates 200s yeah I mean, you can put a 200 grain in there, and it'll shoot at a three-inch group at 100 wow. yards. You know, your 165s will shoot a two-inch group or whatever. Yeah. But you put that, that Federal Classic 150 grain just off the shelf of cheapest dot six bullets you can buy. Yeah. You can shoot four or five rounds, cover it with a quarter. Yeah, that that's a heck of a thing. And, and I, don't, I don't think you... Even for moose, you just don't need a huge heavy bullet. I mean, the right. the last, well, that 150 Sirocco's that I loaded for you is what you shot that moose with last year. And then the last moose I shot with the Knot 6 was like 150 grain Hornady's. Took him off his feet, mm-hmm. you know, so. Yeah, that's all I shoot. My Knot 6, I mean, I shot lots <clears throat> of moose with that 150 grain bullet. Did you ever shoot any any moose with your 25 out 6? Oh, yeah, several of them. Yeah. See, yeah. I killed him dead as a stone that's there's all, all of a special place in my heart for that 25 out six and i mean most of these sheep more than not i killed them with a 20 my 25 out six and it ain't you know as much as i do like that new six five creed more um or relatively new it's not new but uh as much as i like that cartridge man that 25 out six is a sheep killing yeah. i don't think i I'm trying to think if I actually my I know I've seen moose killed with I don't know if I've shot any myself with that twenty five, but no like black bear heck of a black bear gun. Oh yeah, 
Um, the quickest grizzly I ever seen killed was the one I shot with my twenty five out six. I mean, he ran sixty yards. He was feeding on blueberries, kind of quartering towards me. I took him right in the chest. He ran about sixty yards. I pumped another one in him as he was running. He rolled over and never even kicked. <laughs> never even flinched again. Dead. Wow. Yeah, and I think that's the one that you got the rug down in Colorado, yeah. don't you? Yeah, yeah, I remember seeing that when I was when I was a kid. A lot yeah. of that stuff and that big old I never had an appreciation for how big that nanny goat that you had at Grant mounted at grandma's was. You know, because just these mounts that I'd seen my entire life growing up, you know, don't have appreciation for how big that thing was um, until I started doing it myself a little bit. Right. Yeah, I don't remember exactly the length of it. I know the biologist in Cordova said it was the biggest nanny he'd ever seen, ever recorded out of Cordova. It was 13 years old, I believe, if I remember right. Jeez. It was old. Yeah, that's... I don't know. I don't know how old those nannies often get. You know, they say like a sheep you like use sometimes will get like fifteen right. or you know I've heard twenty. I don't know if that's true. Seems super old. I mean, obviously the rams aren't going to last as long because they got to they're working harder right. during the ruts and whatnot. But uh, starving themselves down before <clears throat> winter. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that goat's five or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that nanny was all by herself, too. I just, I didn't really look at it much. I assumed it was Billy just because it was all by itself. And it was, you know, you could see it had decent yeah. horns. And it was the first goat hunt I was ever on. Wasn't that, wasn't that, was that the trip where you dropped your, your rifle slid down? No, slid that down one, the hill? I didn't get nothing on that trip. Yeah, that was just a bad trip. <laughs> <laughs> I went by myself and, yeah, crampons came off because i didn't have them on right anyway i took spill down the glacier and banged up my knee and had to hobble out of that dang thing the hobbled up knee yeah it sucked (laughs) yeah um but yeah i i did kill i killed a big billy goat with my 25 out six too wasn't that the one? Wasn't that the rifle? Because that was—I remember that rifle. You gave it to Travis. Yes, I did years ago. And uh, wasn't that the one you had up in the brooks and hit that wolf? However far, eight hundred and thirty-some paces, if I recall, running now, di- it, diagonally across the hill. Didn't he come like almost through camp? Basically, oh yeah, it was—it was kind of comical, and I mean. Uh, I mean, it sounds like I'm bragging, but I know this was all luck, but it just happened so perfect. Couldn't have worked any better. (laughs) There was four of us. There was Bob Bunker and Cap, two cowboys from back on the ranch where we grew up. Yeah. And then Vince Osborne, this guy I knew up here, and me were up in the brooks sheep hunting. Cap was a muzzleloader hunter. But anyway, here comes this wolf heading towards camp. I spot, and I'm like, hey, man, everybody, there's a wolf coming into camp, so let's, I mean, set up. So, Cap, I gave Cap my 25-06, and we weren't, I wasn't guiding, we were just out on a friendly hunt, and, uh, anyway, I gave Cap my 25-06, and this wolf comes down, he's heading right into camp, I mean, about 70 yards from camp, they open up on him like World War Three. <laughs> 
And it was surprising because, you know, Bob Bunker, he's a heck of a shot. I mean, I figured for sure he'd get him, but he didn't. Anyway, that wolf ran up the hill there, you know, those big broad valleys in the brooks. You know, they just kind of roll up like mm-hmm. a bull. And he gets way the heck up there, and they finally all quit shooting. And he turns broadside and starts running side hill across. And I'm like, yeah, grab my gun from Cap. and says, give me that thing. I'll show you how this is done. And I reached in my pocket, and I pulled out one bullet. And I kissed the tip of it, and I stuck it in the rifle and locked the bolt down and leaned over that rock and aimed about you know, 15 feet above him and about 25 feet in front of him and pulled the trigger, and he started doing didos up there on the hill, spinning <laughs> around in a circle. And Cap's like, or Biz uh, is like, oh, what's wrong with that wolf? And Cap's <laughs> like, he hit him. <laughs> and I stood up, and I was like, yeah, let's go get some more. <laughs> like, you know, but I mean, God wanted that wolf dead because that was a miracle <laughs> shot. I mean, I thought maybe yeah, I'm a good enough shot. I thought maybe I could scare him good. Yeah, but I had no intentions of drilling him right through the chest on the very first shot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it was 800 and some paces. Oh man! Yeah, yeah it was. That was a good shooting gun. Yeah, that. Uh, what the heck? Another. Well, good, and I think that was always. I think Travis had bought that rifle. Did you ever shoot that twenty-two-two fifty of his? That Ruger no, number one. Never did. I know he piled up a ton of coyotes with it. That, Travis was a good shot. I mean, I gave him that rifle. I think he was fourteen. Yeah. I think that's the first year he could go hunting because I went down there and took him hunting and took him that rifle and well, yeah. I made him take it. it. It was, it had been used and abused. I mean, I had it taped with white tape and stuff because I used that thing everywhere, you yeah. know, in the winter. And so it, it was kind of rough looking. So we sanded it all up and re-blued it and everything, got it right. He mm-hmm. took it out. And, uh, we went up there on, uh, can't even think of the name of the canyon, up there on the east side there and get up there and that first day i mean he killed a buck at like 400 yards with it <laughs> and then he shot that elk with it and uh yeah that kid was a heck of a shot yeah well he ended up being a sniper in the army yeah there he was but uh yep that's interesting i'm trying to think uh well, on the sub on the subject of rifles it's funny how just some <clears throat> you really think about what a given rifle I, you know, has been through and you you do with it. It can be pretty amazing. It makes me feel bad sometimes because I start, I don't know, on one hand, it's just a tool. Like, right. who cares if it's this rifle or that wish rifle? Wish I would have kept that. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, down the road. It's, ah, oh, man, I really wish I would have hung on to that. You know, there's, I feel that way about a couple oh, yeah. guns I've sold. Whenever you have a gun that's a tack driver, don't get rid of it. Yeah. Keep it. I had actually a, uh, years ago, I had a, it was one of those Hawa 1500 heavy barrel 308s, and it had the ugliest paint job on the stock, and it was a laminated thumbhole stock. I don't really like thumbhole stocks, but 
wasn't bedded or anything. I just took that thing out, make sure we repainted it, made sure it was floated. Man, that rifle is, I don't say it's the most accurate rifle I've ever owned, but it was right there. I mean, it would shoot half inch groups all day long at a hundred, you know, half a minute groups. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and I just, I can't even remember why I sold it. Wanted the cash to buy some other gun and got rid of it. Yeah. And you know, I had a twenty two pistol like that. Yeah. A little single six Blackhawks. I kicked myself in the butt for getting rid of it. I like that single six of mine. That's my little trapping rig. I mean, this thing was so accurate, Tyler. I never seen a pistol that accurate. I could take I used to get up there, down there where that well that you can light on fire, it's full of natural gas. Yeah. But everybody where we grew up, that haystack there, I used to curl up on that haystack with that pistol and just sit there and wait for the rabbits to come out from underneath those cabins and Mm -hmm. come out from under the haystack and what have you. And I could head shoot those rabbits with that twenty two pistol. And I could, I used to sit up there on that haystack and practice. And there was always 12-gauge shells laid around from when we were shooting jackrabbits and stuff. And I could sit there and just, with a good rest, just zing those 12-gauge shells all across the ground hmm. with that twenty-two pistol. I've never seen one or had one since that was like that. Wow. You know, they just don't shoot that straight and true. No. And I sold it to my basketball coach. <clears throat> <laughs> Yeah, that's just, I don't know. Because I wanted a stainless steel one. Yeah. <laughs> and the stainless steel one shoots like crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. There, there's been, I mean, there's been a couple, there was one twenty two pistol I had that I, I got rid of it and I told the guy, I'm like, this, I'm getting rid of it because it don't shoot. I, it was a little SIG semi-automatic one, I think. And when, after, when it took me two magazines of ammo to shoot two ptarmigan, <laughs> like nope it's not on the trap line not i just couldn't take it anymore and got no. rid of that i don't regret that one at all but there's there's a couple guns i've sold over the years that see because i know you've told me ah if you ever you ever want to sell that 25 out six of yours yeah i was gonna bring that up actually believe me I, it's crossed <laughs> my mind a few times but still every once in a while ah, i ought to sell that thing to tracy i haven't i haven't shot that thing in a few years anyway but Soon as I, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I understand. <laughs> At least it would still be in the family. One of these years, one of us needs to kill something with that muzzle loader that that yeah. long rifle that Cap, Cap built, built you. I was fully intended on it, and then I never even. Right, I was thinking about that. I need to take that stupid class you got to take up here for yeah. muzzle loader, so I can start applying for some of these muzzle loader hunts. Yeah, you know. Yeah, well, and there's and the the tricky thing with that one, I think, is because it's like a fifty six caliber, fifty eight, fifty eight, you know, and it's <clears throat> getting the the mini balls or whatever the projectiles for. It's not quite as simple as some of these other, mm-hmm. um, you know. I'm sh- I know I actually know a guy and was intent that's in town that's really big into muzzle loaders and was gonna walk me through. You know, I think we we're gonna cast some because I'm sure he has all the stuff to do it and. And lubricating, because aside from basically knowing how it in general works, there's a lot of specifics that I just don't know about it. Right. You know, what kind of 
what kind of caps should I use for this or that? It's like I'm just kind of a babe in the woods on that on muzzle loaders because I've never right. gotten into it. I had one when I was a kid, a 58 caliber naval arms. It's not too hard, and I think I can remember. But I just, you know, with all these new powders and stuff they got. I'm not real up on that. Yeah, you I know. know the guy. The guy I had been talking to was saying he still by far prefers black powder. Right. You know, so, you know, and then your maintenance and cl- what you got, you know, how do I properly clean this thing? And mm-hmm. it's all stuff that a guy could figure out if he wants to put the time oh, into yeah. it. Oh, yeah. I mean, they got years YouTube. I mean, they yeah. tell you about anything you want to know. Do anything on YouTube, man. Right. Yeah, I, uh, when I was, anytime I got to fix, <laughs> fix a part on the, on my wife's rig or my truck, oh, I, yeah. the last incident I had was uh, coming back from cutting firewood, I, I was I was intend I was going to try and get three loads that day. So I was on my way back into town with the load, and all of a sudden, you know, a bunch of noise, and then no power steering, and all of a sudden, I well lost my lost my serpentine belt. So I'm like, shit. See if I can get to the auto parts store before this thing overheats, because right. then you lose your water pump too. <laughs> right. And she was getting up there, but I pulled in, <clears throat> and uh, of course, in my overflow of my radiators and so i go in buy some antifreeze new belt and everything get out there and cut this old tore up belt out of there i'm looking at my tensioner and the the pulley on there's like just loose completely burned through the bearing on the on the tensioner i'm like shit like and i never having taken that apart i'm like man i I don't know how involved this is going to be am i going to have to like unpack you know repack springs and stuff and got on youtube unfortunately it was just three pretty, bolts yeah, and, and the whole easy. thing's is self-contained but yeah well there's a lot of good info there's also a lot of bad info yeah. out there on youtube too yeah no doubt but yeah, uh, like don't never pass out around a bunch of your buddies drunk because you may end up on youtube yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's probably a good thing there wasn't youtube back in back in your younger years huh? oh man I see this one deal on YouTube. Oh, poor guy. I mean, buddies are ruthless. I mean, all my friends were. Yeah. You mess up around them. You're yeah. never going to hear it. But I mean, this dog comes around and this dog's trying to hump this guy's head. And he's all drunk. And instead of his buddies helping the guy out, they're laughing at him, getting their phones and recording this. You know, the guy's all passed out on the ground. Then the dog finally... Gets tired of doing that, cocks his leg, and pisses all over the guy's head. And their buddies just watch and film oh, and laugh. <laughs> yeah, speaking of helping your buddies out, I always get a kick out of that story. There wasn't there a couple of them where you're, was it with Rotten Randy you were guiding with that sticking, packing in sheep camp and you'd stick rocks oh. in his backpack or so? Yeah, I did that. <sighs> Maybe it was two different instances because yeah, remember you, it was a couple different times. One didn't you? He he went to go take a crap and you dumped his backpack out or something. Like well, that. It, it was we were had these two sheep hunters came in and we were taking them up. We had to walk about ten miles up this canyon, and then when we got up to where it forked. We went our each way with our hunter. You know, we had to crisscross the river for half the ways up there then you went cross country after that 
And Randy, he's always a practical joker, you know, pulling something on you. Yeah. So anyway, we all get out to the end of the airstrip there where he's at, and the cabin's all 100 yards off the airstrip in the timber. He's like, oh, I forgot something at the cabin. So he takes off back into the cabin, and boy, when he stepped in the timber, I grabbed his pack. I snapped, and I tipped it upside down, and I dumped everything out on the ground. And I grabbed three or four great big rocks. I mean, we're talking like the size of cantaloupes. Yeah. And I threw them in the bottom of his pack, and I stuffed everything back in there as fast as I could. I was just just setting it down from after buckling it up when he come back out of the timber. I looked at those two hunters. I said, either one of you say anything, I'll kill you. <laughs> and uh, anyway, we're heading up the trail. And Randy, he's not a big guy, you know. A little bit older than I was. But anyway, he's uh, humping up there. We get, you know, half a mile up the creek. We had the sweats pouring off his head. <laughs> he's got his hands back there kind of helping lift his pack up. Uh, he's, he's like, man, this... This thing sure feels heavy. He says, I, man, I just guess I'm just getting old or something. I said, ah. I said, oh, Randy, hell, you're probably packing a backpack full of rocks or something. Oh, heck with you for real. You know, F you for real. Okay, so we, we get a mile or something. I mean, that's, that's just a pour. And he's like, he goes, man, I don't know. <laughs> I said, Randy. I said, I think you're packing a bunch of rocks, you know. I think you ought to just stop and take them out of your pack, and you know, we can, then we can go on, you know. Oh, F you, for real. <laughs> We're humping, and we keep going, and we keep going. And I don't know how many times I told him he was packing a backpack full of rocks. <laughs> but, I mean, we get up there, we're about, we're about ready to separate. And go our own ways. And I mean, he looks like he's about ready to die. And I'm like, Randy, stop. Take your backpack off and take the rocks out of the <laughs> bottom of your backpack. And for, oh, F you. I said, okay. And I went my way. He went his way. And I guess he packed those rocks all the way to his spike camp. Oh, man. He's unloading his pack. <laughs> his hunter told me he was unloading his pack and his spike camp. And those rocks came out. <laughs> he said he stomped around there cussing and moaning for about a half an hour. I'm going to get that sucker. I'm going to get that sucker. Oh, man. <laughs> anyway, then we get up there. And Randy and the two hunters came in the day before I did. Mm-hmm. And we get up there, you know, and I'm. I'm complaining about the food that because I was working for Art. And I'm complaining about the food, man. Art says crap. You know, he always sends me a block of cheese, some hard salami, and a real coffee. I says well, we got this yucky bean mountain house stuff, and you know, and this was a long time. You know, this is before a lot of the even modern freeze dried. Right. This was back in the old days. Most of it tasted like crap, except for a few things. Yeah. You know? And. My hunter goes, oh, he says, oh, there was other stuff. He says, there was lots of other stuff. He says, oh, there's pilot bread, there was cheddar cheese. Uh, He said, there's real coffee. He says, oh, yeah, Randy dug through it all. 
before you got there and told us to keep our mouth shut. <laughs> so you didn't feel so bad. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, oh, he did, did he? So then all of a sudden, I didn't feel so bad about packing his pack full of rocks. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So anyway, um, the first day we went up hunting, and Hunter got a big old blister on his foot, and he didn't want to go anywhere the second day. I said, okay, that's fine. I packed my pack full of all that junky food, and I says, I'll be back later. And I took off down the hill and headed for Randy's spike camp. I found his spike camp, and I robbed all his food and put that <laughs> crappy food there. <laughs> and then I get back to where my spike camp was. I said, we got to move our spike camp. <laughs> I might have just started something. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. It was a good time, though. Oh, you got to enjoy practical jokes. Speak, you know, well, it's... <laughs> I don't know if what it is. Seems like there's not as many guys that are stubborn, you know, stubborn about backpacking. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm trying to think of how to say this. Guys, oh yeah, you know, I'll I'll let you carry some of my weight. Wasn't it? Yeah. Was it oh. was it Sean Homer that was like was like I will die on this mountain before I yep. let you take a pound of my earth. That's what I tell you. I mean, he was <laughs> he was dying. I'm like, man, let me carry some of that. He goes, there is no way. <laughs> I will die up here before I, before we go home and you tell everybody you had to carry my elk off the hill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like that other rock incident. Might as well spit it out. It's pretty funny. Old Jeff Becker, this buddy of mine, we went to a Fognet Island, and we stayed out there for like 60 days. Yeah. Had a double-walled wall tent out there, and wood stove, and Metzler raft, gas, traps, crab pots. I mean, we did Mm -hmm. it up. But we get up there, and we'd head out of camp, you know, on this little peninsula, and then we'd separate and go our own ways and then come back and anyway so we was coming back and ran into him it's probably two miles from camp and i hadn't killed anything that day Uh, but he had killed a a one or two deer and he had them both in his backpack and and he was a humping them you know and you could tell it was it was a heavy pack yeah i mean yeah two like one you know two yeah. Boned out deer. That's pretty heavy backpack. Yeah, he was, he was working it, you know. And I'm like, hey, here, let me carry some of that for you. I ain't got nothing. He goes, no way. He says, we ain't going back to Fairbanks. You telling everybody you had to carry my deer. <laughs> that just ain't happening. I'm like, come on, man. Anyway, he had one of those older backpacks that had that real stiff wire around the top yeah, ring. Yeah. And then the flap went over. And if it wasn't packed full, it made kind of a basket there. Yeah. So we start walking down the trail together, and I kind of slink behind him a little bit. And I reach down on the ground, and I pick up this big old rock, and I'm walking up behind him. And I slowly set it in that little tray. I pick up another one, and I set it up there. I mean, I got, I got several rocks, and I mean, it's a nice deep basket. And I just keep slowly setting them in there. And I mean, he starts a sweating and a huffing and a puffing. And he's like, God, this thing's getting heavy. <laughs> I'm like, well, why don't you just let me carry some of it for you? No way. I already told you it's not happening. And I kept this. And I had him stacked up there to where if he moved wrong, they was going to fall. And we finally got to camp, and 
he, you know, kind of bucks a little bit to get the straps off his shoulder, <laughs> take it off. All those rocks go piling down. <laughs> he was pissed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, uh, every, shit, I was every couple hundred yards. Like, hey, let me carry this some of that for you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, just good times messing with each other. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Well, yeah, speaking of that's the things I'm, I'm not gonna i guess i don't have too many buddies that would go we're not quite as brutal as <laughs> oh i know as soon as we get back to town you're gonna tell everyone i i had you had to pack out my sheep <laughs> right <laughs> you know, so, yeah that's uh brutal. brutal yeah shoot i was just thinking the other day you know who was i talking to about just how much fairbanks has changed just since i've been back up here it used to be fairly wild town oh, yeah. back in the days huh didn't were weren't you didn't weren't you witness someone drive their was about driving their their airboat <laughs> yeah to the strip club there. Ah, who was that i don't remember the name of the guy i i mean i knew who he was and he was a pipe fitter yeah i can't think what his name was though but yeah, they was drinking down at Pike's Landing. They bet him he couldn't drive his airboat down the highway to the Lonely Lady, which was a strip bar there in town. Oh, there he goes, uh, down the highway, down airport ways, barks a-flying. <laughs> Drove right there to the Lonely Lady, went in, ordered a drink. Cops came and hauled him off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But he made it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. can't remember what that guy's name was. <laughs> yeah. How's it? I mean, I don't know. Has it just gotten bigger, you think, or kind of tamed down? It's tamed down, you know. You get more population, and there's, there's always more rules. And, you know, it was kind of wild back in them days. Yeah. I mean, just not even like back in... The, you know, the early 80s when I came back, I was way different now than it well, was. Well, and that then. was kind of right after the pipeline, wasn't it? Right. I mean, as far as hunting, you could still go places with your four-wheelers or whatever if you had four-wheelers. You could still take your track rig out to the White Mountains, you know. you could, And, you know, you weren't hampered like they do now. I mean, you can't do anything now. Yeah, and he, I mean, especially right the, around town. Yeah, that irritates the crap out of me, you know. We got this 400 miles or however long it is from the Yukon River north that's just land that, that we're not going to use, and we can't even take an ATV on it to go out hunting or fishing or whatever you want, you know. And, I mean, so what, ATV is going to make tracks? big deal yeah you know i mean that's what i feel about it yeah i, I mean the sure you break up the tundra but it grows back as grass or something i mean big deal if there's a little scar in there the next ice age we have is gonna take yeah. it all away anyway yeah i think i don't know i mean i can i can kind of see the merits of it but i would like to see a little bit you'd think they'd be able to have a handful of trails or something you they, know yeah they need to open up some because really the access is 
just nothing. It's airplane or on foot. Well, and the population's getting up there where everybody's concentrated to these certain areas. It's hard to get away from people now unless you fly out somewhere, you know. And even then, it's hard to get away from people. Yeah. There's only so many places you can land. Yeah. You know. In my opinion, they should put a road all the way to the ocean on this side of the Brooks Range, all the way to Canada. And they should punch a road on this side of the Alaska Range all the way across. Just so, I mean, to allow access. You know, to give access to all them villages in between here and the ocean. Road access would probably be winter times only. You'd be able to use it much. But then people could spread out. Yeah, it's yeah. tough, you know. I I don't and I don't know that I even could make up my mind on it cuz some like it's like there's some spots that man it would be really nice to have some sort of access, but also once you get it, you can't take it back. So I right. you know, I don't know right. well, you how gotta, I feel about it. You got to have your 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 wilderness area, but I mean one road Across the south side of the Brooks Range, sure. I mean, like to Am, like the Ambler Road they were talking about. Yeah, your five, ten mile, you know, buffer zone along the road. You're gonna, you know, if you make it archery hunting. Yeah, but allow you to go through it to access other land. You know. Yeah, there. I mean, there's a ton of stuff that is just. Like, you can never haul your boat out to. Well, yeah, that, or, and, I mean, so it opens up a little bit, and there's still lots of pristine that's not going to be opened up. I yeah, mean, it ain't, like, it ain't like you're you're raping the whole land. I yeah. mean, what good's land if people can't use it? And I'm not really worried about me, because I don't really give a crap about hunting as much anymore as I used to, you know? Yeah, you have gotten kind of soft. I like to eat moose. So I like to kill a moose if every year if I can, you know. Yeah. But as far as the other stuff, it ain't no big deal. I mean, but the future generations, and I mean, people should be able to use the stuff because if you don't, they're going to take it away from us. You know. Yeah. Well, shoot, because you were. You know the Democrats. Was, <laughs> yeah. That's was a it bad word, man? <laughs> was it? Uh, were you? Of here already when they made like Gates of the Arctic and Wrangell's St. Elias and National uh, Park, or was that Jimmy just Carter before? did that? Because yeah. I know Jerry was has some stories about you know, he's like, Well, that's where, and there's a lot of people around that that's where they used to go hunting, mm-hmm. and one swipe of a pen, and you yeah. can't, you can't, you can't go trespass on the king's land anymore, right? Jimmy Carter, yeah, I just gotta. Trespass notice from BLM myself. Yeah, you're a little bit of an outlaw miner now, huh? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> They've only been coming through my camp for five years, and they ain't said nothing until now. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, you're, like you mentioned, you guys, you know, very carefully. Oh, yeah, I walked that line numerous times. But that's that's no nothing new, the BLM harassing miners no they've been trying to get me and kicked out of where i'm mining since i got there i mean the first year they brought m shaw into my camp i mean and i'm on state ground blm has no jurisdiction over me whatsoever except for i have to drive through their land to get to my claim the claims i work 
But they brought Amshaw. I mean, we're talking remote. We're not talking a claim where you can drive a pickup to. They brought Amshaw out to my claims. And I'm thinking. Which that, is the mining, basically yeah, OSHA of o, mining. Yeah, OSHA of mining. And uh, anyway, that didn't work, getting me pushed out of there. So uh, the next year, they uh, sicked uh, the archaeologists on me, Shippo. As they said, I was uh, tearing out head gates, uh, destroying old campsites from the early hundreds, which is a crock of crap. I never dug in any trash piles, never tore out any head gates. And I did dig in some mine shafts, but the state doesn't have a problem with that. And once I got to talk with Shippo, they were okay with it too. And they gave me a permit. So that didn't work to get me shut down. So then they brought Emshaw out again, thinking maybe I'd be slacked because they hadn't been out there for yeah. a year. Of course, everything was good there, nothing wrong. So then last year, not this summer, but summer before, they sicked fish a game on me, said I was building fishing ponds. <laughs> really? Yeah, so I could fish when I was out there. It's insane your settling ponds were fishing ponds. Fish and game biologist calls me up, and for some reason we came in to get parts or something. It was like July. And I happened to be there and got the message he called. He called him all nasty. You know, you're making fishing ponds up there. This and that. So I just went down and seen the guy. I was like, what's going on? Oh, yeah, you know. You've been making fishing ponds up there. You got those fish trapped in there. I'm like, uh, no, uh, those are re, uh, cause <clears throat> Army Corps engineers want you to leave your settling ponds if possible mm -hmm. for wetland reclamation. Okay. And settling ponds that we're talking about is after you run, <clears throat> you know, you get your pay dirt with the, with the ore in it. You know, run it through your machinery to basically right. you have all this sediment runoff that into a pond into a pond so it can settle and not get not be reintroduced back into the creek. Right. So you don't have a muddy creek, you know, right. running downstream. Right. And anyway. it's a pollution it's a well, even though you could I think they would call the just sediment pollution even though it's not any chemical or anything like that. Right. It's right. just mud. It's just mud. But anyway, what we do is we clean them out. You know, we drain the water out of them, we clean them out, and just the water stays in them. Yeah. And it's just now a pond. Well, the high water cut the creek in, and so part of the creek ran into the pond and then out of the pond, which is no big, it's a clean pond. It's a reclaimed settling pond. And the water, perfectly clear, but they were saying that I purposely did that because... Uh, so the fish would be in there, so I'd have a place to go fishing. <laughs> and, you know. And it's, we're not talking about like a fishing hotspot. No, there we're either. talking, Gold Creek is six foot wide, maybe a little wider in places. But there's times in the summer, like this summer in mid-July, the water 
didn't even make it to the road. Wouldn't even make it to the Koyukuk. Yeah. <laughs> it went underground uh, three quarters of a mile from the Koyukuk. Yeah. And it was barely running. I mean, an irrigation tube would run more water and it was running at my camp. Yeah. You know, and occasionally you'll see a six, eight inch grayling there or once or twice. Char or something. Yeah, but very rarely. But anyway, I went and talked to the guy and, and after I talked to him, it, you know, everything was cool. And I said, can I ask you one thing? He goes, what? I said, did BLM put you up to this? He goes, well, they, uh, they called me up and told me that, that uh, you had some stuff going on up there that they weren't sure about. <laughs> you know, and it's just one thing after another. Give me a break. Well, it's a funny thing because <clears throat> we up here tend, you know, have interesting relationship with the feds. And, be, you know, as far as hunting's concerned, you know, hunting, land access, BLM's farther down on the... I don't even know how to describe it. <laughs> yeah, like I'd say the you know, the park service is generally the worst, you know, and down and BLM's usually down the chain mm-hmm. of that, you know, as far as hunting and fishing, whatever's concerned, it's they're pretty easy to work with and they don't give you a lot of trouble. Right. Um but, you know, I, I've just heard, you know, through you and a lot of other it's no secret like small time miners and yeah, you need to be doing everything correctly, but boy they're Pull, it seem like it seems like they pull a lot of, and create a lot of conflict. Um, wasn't it a few, uh, was it two or three years ago where word got out or they, they had raided a bunch of mines. Was it over towards the, off the tail? Oh, yeah, we're off the Taylor Highway. Off the Taylor Highway. They basically, you know, full body armor, M16s, yeah. you know, raided a bunch of mines. It was, uh, Claiming that they, you know, they were polluting the creek or whatever. Right. And someone, didn't someone get them on video yes. riding their four-wheeler back and forth across the creek, up, just upstream of where they were taking they, their samples? Yeah, they, uh, what they did was, it was the people that they were after, that they were charging with this polluting the creek, uh, their daughter was sitting up on the bank with her phone when they come driving up. And there's like, I don't know, seven or eight of them on four-wheelers. They come driving up the creek, the creek bottom, yeah, in the water. They get off their four-wheelers. They take their sample bottles behind their four-wheelers and take samples of the water behind their four-wheelers. With the freshly stirred up yeah. gravel and Yeah, and, and take and those silt. samples. And then, um, but... That guy won that in court, if I remember right. Yeah. I yeah, mean, he, I, he I don't, beat that. I don't follow too much, but I just remember that being a big stink, and it seems like there's always a, you know. And it's just, I don't know. Uh, I'm so anti-liberal and Democrat, it's not funny. <laughs> I mean, they just, I don't yeah, I'm not even going to get into yeah, it. Yeah, we probably show. better just avoid, <laughs> probably better avoid that subject. Yeah, altogether. we better abort that one. <laughs> no matter how we feel about certain things. <laughs> right. But, yeah. Anyway, yeah, Tracy had come over today to cut up a moose hindquarter from that. Probably the last thing we'll go, <laughs> probably the last thing we'll go over you to, uh, we got to talk about Timmy. <laughs> Oh, Tim is a guy guy uh, we work with, and 
super nice guy. But Tracy, yeah. long story short, he, he came over here to cut up a hind quarter of moose. They went on this winter moose hunt yesterday, and um, you can explain how. It. I'll just preface this, and you can say you were because you were warned, right? <laughs> yeah, I was warned. <laughs> and poor Tim, every time I've been out on a hunt with him or or a hunt or gone out on snow machine, either snow machine or four wheeler, his machine breaks down. Yeah. And uh I think the first time was fifteen years ago. We it was a hundred miles from the trailhead, blew blew a snow machine <laughs> engine. And then another time on snow machine his his pull cord busted and it was super cold and the thing just we had to turn abort the trip. And uh then he we were going in there to get those guys last year to pick them up. Uh, moose hunting from their float on the bottom end of their float trip and 200 yards up the trail is basically essentially his wheel came off his four-wheeler um yeah yeah timmy you know bless his heart he's a heck of a good guy but uh you know he's he's got three boys so i can I mean you know money's tight especially being an insulator because you don't work all the time yeah you know you know that and he wants to go do these things, so to do them, I mean, he's got old machines, yeah. you know, that he fixes all and the there's time. there's nothing wrong with that. No. But anyway, we gets out there and and stabilize an arm on the one machine broke right at the truck. You know, thank God it broke at the truck. Yeah. So we're sitting there, what are we going to do? Okay, it's starting to get daylight. and So I'm pretty good at... at uh, fixing things like that to get you going or get out so i told timmy i says ah just take the other machine i says go out and start hunting i says i'll dink around with this and if i get it fixed i says i'll just track you down and find you so anyway i jerry rigged it together and and got it to where it worked and worked fine so i chased him down and i finally find him and and He's driving by open holes in the ice all the time, man. And I, I, I'm nervous. I don't like yeah. it. I don't like it. I mean, I know the ice is thin, and it'll be, he's pushing the limit in my book. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm following him back into this hole, and he's been gone a while. I said, he should have been out of here by now. He's back in there stuck. And his machine fell through the ice or something. I just know it. Yeah. So I go back, and I get back in their ways, and. All of a sudden, I see these arms waving, like, frantically, trying to wave <laughs> me down. I'm like, oh, great, he's stuck over there. Go pull it right now. He had a moose down. And it was pretty nice because, you know, we're hunting as a team, and so we're splitting it. But, heck, when I got there, it was all skin, quartered up, <laughs> Perfect time to show oh, up. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I was ready to load up in the sleds and take off. I'm like, man. I says, I picked a good time to show up. He says, oh, I started cussing you when I shot this thing. Yeah, he's probably <laughs> taking a nap in the truck right yeah. now. I said, hey, man, in my defense, I had to fix a machine before I could get out here. And it was your machine. <laughs> and it was your machine. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, when his, when his, and he was just coming to help us haul those guys out of there when that was the last incident I was a part of when his wheeler it was that ball joint on the uh <clears throat> oh behind the basically ties the wheel the 
wheel into the suspension. And so, you know, that thing wore out and popped out of there. He just had nothing to hold that right. tire down. And we, uh, what did we do? We had it on its side and he, uh, oh, and, and it pulled the drive shaft, that front drive shaft out of the differential or whatever it's called. So we jammed it back in and we kind of put that ball joint back together as best we could and used a ratchet strap to ratchet strap it down and hold it on there kind of and you know luckily you know we're able to limp it back down to the truck thank goodness it wasn't four or five miles back in there right. we had been leaving it and coming back in the winter to get it right but uh <clears throat> no yeah so i better probably you're gracious enough to give me this back strap so i probably better cut it up pretty yeah better butcher it here up. pretty quick but yeah i've been been nice catching up i actually hadn't seen you in quite a while yeah we've been working our butts off out at isles and haven't had much time to do nothing when you do get a time a day off you just want to lay on the couch and you're in your sweats because you know working six tens and insulating you know oh yeah i know <laughs> crawling down in a 120 degree manhole crawling out zero, better you guys zero degree weather better you than me <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Did you always tell me about skinning wolves? So. Oh yeah, better you than me. I got, I got, I got him good that one time when I was at his Jerry shop. I was peeling a wolf, and I hear a truck pull up, and we're all practical <laughs> jokers, you know. I hear a truck pull up, yeah, go look was, outside. It's like shit, that's Tracy. So that I got to so get wrong. him. I got to get him. And so, so wrong. I just yeah. I'm, what was I standing You're up on? You're standing a on a four foot ladder with your pants down to your ankles. No, it wasn't pointing to my your ankles. ass at me <laughs> to your knees. <laughs> pointing your ass at me when I opened the door. Uh, Just what I needed to see. That was pretty funny. <laughs> it was. I thought it was good. It was funny. <laughs> Hell, I've uh, done the same thing if I thought about it. Yep. But anyway, I guess we probably better get going. But thanks for stopping by. Good to catch up a little bit and yeah, no talk some shit so hope we didn't incriminate ourselves or anybody yeah, I else i didn't this. incriminate myself on anything so <laughs> <laughs> i never do anything wrong so <laughs> yeah, okay. all right well thanks for listening guys and if you uh, have any questions you can email podcast at tundertalkak.com and as always if you can uh, leave a good review on itunes or whatever platform you listen on that'd be awesome thanks <laughs>